Welcome to yet another episode of Podcast of the Rings, the best titled podcast about Lord of the Rings there is. And we are getting so close to the end of the Hobbit trilogy by Peter Jackson. We are still gloried uh, in the glory of Ben Goddard as our special guest. I'm Jessica Lannaberti, and we've got Alexander Mitchell. Gentlemen, how goes it? Good. Just, I, you know, too busy glor- glorying people. <laughs> you know, How I, many I, uh, uh, bathroom stations do you go glorying in? I mean, we're on a tight schedule here, okay? <laughs> okay, great. No jokes, no jokes. Uh, I, I so, couldn't help but notice the, the glee in your tone when you said we're nearing the end, Jess. Oh, no. I'm just trying to be positive because we're doing a podcast and it's supposed to be engaging and people tune in to live vicariously through us and we do the watching anyway no this uh, this this movie <laughs> it's is rough. painful and I'm beginning to understand. I think I had an inclination as to what Ben was talking about when it came to Alfred Lickspittle. So we're we'll getting into it. Um, we're going to go all the way up to where spoilers. Uh, Th- Thorin's cousin comes to help with the fight after the ravens that don't talk tell Dane to come save them. I mean, I figured that that was like a Game of Thrones thing. Like, they send ravens with little notes, too. So I figured, like, had a little note tied to its foot or something. Oh, no, no, 100%. I mean, yeah. we. It's what's interesting is actually, and we'll get to it, we'll talk about it more when we get to it, but for all the things that they take the time to explain ad nauseum, they don't explain the ravens. They just, they, they just say, oh, the ravens, people will know. Of Erebor, yeah. they Who? just yeah. You yeah, see a they, raven and you go, oh, a smog is dead. You know what? Like, the bats that are also only bred for war will tell everyone that war is happening, too. So, <laughs> which is insane. Let's get into it. This is Podcast of the Ring. All right, so... I'm just going to say it. Even though we get Smaug's voice one more time coming out of Thorin's voice, I am so sad that he was killed so quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird, the pacing, because we talked so much about why maybe splitting this up into three movies wasn't a good choice. And I feel like this opening sequence kind of exemplifies that. It just feels kind of like anticlimactic to happen at the beginning of a movie where it's the the final confrontation and it loses, you, you know, you forget some of the buildup that you had, this amazing buildup in the last movie. It just feels kind of like, I oh, think that's why died. I disagree that it's a great cliffhanger because even though we do, we need it to come back. Like, I don't know anyone who was running to go see this movie the year it was released after the previous two. Uh, the box office would argue again because this <laughs> it, is also a 970 million something box office. Like, Christ. stupid amount of money this, this movie made. So everything we say shouldn't matter because who cares? They <laughs> just made a lot of actually, money. It actually doesn't. Yeah. That's like, actually why we're talking about it because it still yeah. lives on. 
No, but like it was so funny. I was watching this with my friends Dan Amaro. I was visiting them uh, uh, this last week, and we were talking about, um, you know, like they love Middle Earth just like I do. And it's so funny. It's like I feel like Peter Jackson. One, I still think the cliffhanger works. I still think it works. Like, in a, and I said that last week. In a vacuum, it's great. But just like you know, Walking Dead with Negan of like, who did he kill? And it's like, no. You don't need to do this. You're the number one show on television. We've been waiting for Negan for, I think, three seasons by that time. And then we get one, you know, monologue by him and then like the, the POV shot of who he kills. And then even when they do the episode, we have to wait till the next season. It's like halfway through the episode where they finally reveal it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like they are just milking this so hard. And I'm I'm surprised that. One, there wasn't a prologue in this kind of the first Middle Earth movie that we got without a prologue. And you know what? Not that this movie needs any more, but if there was to be a prologue, I was thinking about it. It should have been um, Thror succumbing to dragon sickness because yeah. that plays that such a huge part in this movie. It plays such a huge part. And that would have been the perfect in the, the same way that like every single prologue directly ties into the first, you know, the movie that it uh, precedes that would have tied in so well. And then just my finishing my thought is like Peter Jackson always regretted not putting Sourman in the third movie and that, mm. you know, fractured his relationship with Christopher Lee. So I'm wondering if he was like, well, we got to do this in the third movie. It'll bring people back and then we'll wrap it up. But then in the way that Saruman concluding in the third movie was like, it works for me in the extended version. It you're completely right, Alex. It, it lessens Smog's intimidation and everything where he just, is flying around. He does decimate Lake Town, but then it's just like you don't have the dwarvish windlands. Like that doesn't come into play at all. Well, you have you, like you have the makeshift MacGyver windlands. Oh, I want that. That scene wanted made me want to die, and I wished they yeah. shot me with it. Like. <laughs> Also, how did Bane's head not come off with the bow? Like, I, I don't, totally. Yeah. I actually looked at it. It was feathers, but it should have absolutely burned him oh, yeah. on the way. Like, but yeah, just I don't know. I I am glad to see more Benedict as Smaug, and you know, people are, like I you know watching CinemaSins or whatever. It's like Smaug takes the time to talk to Bard the Bowman instead of just killing him. That's who he is. That yes. makes sense to me. Is him just like glow. The the town is already gone. The, like when he lands, the town is completely done. No one's even fired a sing. Like you know, you know, Bard's fired three or four arrows at him, but. They haven't done anything. It's not like there's like this army fighting them. And we'll get to the army, the quote unquote army of men in this battle of five armies that. Yeah. Yeah. The, quote, the army of Alfred, really. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. with, with the CinemaSins thing, I hate when they, you know, specifically for this movie, but also other movies. They, like, why would the villain assume that they're going to be defeated by the unlikely hero? They think they're invincible. Of course, they're going to stop to taunt them and monologue, and especially a character like Smaug. So it's yeah. completely realistic. And I actually like that there is a little bit of interaction, uh, even if it's a little cheesy IMO, uh, as Jess likes when I say. Uh <laughs> get, get him off. Get him off. Get him off the window. 
is not <laughs> is not saying I am a dumb like l l l l l guys <laughs> l m a l guys i m o just say in my opinion to be fair <laughs> just go for it anyway i i actually TBF. Oh, so to be fair, uh, I actually tend to agree with ex machina things or like just kill your adversary instead of talk to them, stop playing with your food. But I'm they've already established that Smaug likes to to talk. And so he's tickled by the fact that somebody's actually trying to actively fight against him now mm -hmm. it's stupid of bard to think that he could do anything with those arrows he already has established that he can't do anything with those arrows but you know god bless him well can we talk can we can no, we dive we can't. into you, can, you are some not of allowed the... to talk anymore because okay. you can see i am out can we talk about some of the minutiae of this scene because there's some great moments one of my favorite moments uh you pointed this out when we were watching jess is that during? So we, we get this sequence where they're kind of everybody's fleeing on boats down the canals, and the master's you know unloading his gold hoard, and we get the moment where Alfred pushes a guy back into the river, uh, which is just yeah, further uh, piling onto why we hate this guy. Um, but Bane, Bard's son, grabs a conveniently placed crane to swing over and get the black arrow and then he has this hilarious i think unintentionally hilarious moment when he pops up <laughs> and he so he pops up and then he's like oh i'm out of arrows and he goes i can't remember what the line is but he's like well what about this one and he it like just appears from out yeah, of just frame the most kismet moment like <laughs> i'm okay with bane going to get the black arrow helping out his dad absolutely they already established it yeah but it was just like just like a you know, it's like one of those scenes where someone says something while they're in the room and the person outside of the room's like, well, you didn't expect me, did you? It's like, how you didn't hear that. You didn't yes. hear what they said. And it's just like, it's just like, well, what about this one, Dad? <laughs> the, the, the way it just like comes up from the little uh, hole in the in the ladder yeah. is, is hilarious. Uh, that's when his son and him comedy. fell in love, actually. that That's what happened in that moment. <laughs> For sure. All right, guys. That uh, was. A, I guess IMO is funnier than me sometimes. Yeah, completely. Yeah, let's move I, just, right I don't know. I wish, and that's the thing is that like I'm I'm wanting for more things in these very long stretched out movies, but this moment would have played better with his son if we had gotten any kind of like hint that they had like a fractured relationship, a stressed relationship. His dad, you know, a like, relationship. Yeah, like a single yeah. father trying to support three kids. Like maybe he's like he hasn't treated his son like a son, just like a fellow adult or something like that. There's just been nothing to give us in this moment that to like, you know, the whole look at me like it is a very like you got you have to trust somebody to not kill you with a makeshift wind lance with a black arrow with a dragon, you know, at your six o'clock. But I do love the there is one more great Benedict line when like he he breaks Bard's bow and he looks at it, he's like, oh, that is a pity. And like, it's, oh, it's so good. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, I like Smaug's death scene. I think Very like cool. it flying up, you know, like you've seen the fire go out. It's like the simplest thing, but I think it really works. Yeah, totally. And um, the, the only thing about the death scene that I hate <laughs> Is that so? We get this setup of the master leaving on the boat, and Alfred gets pushed out by the master to save weight. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so we get this amazing sort of climax. Smaug flies up in the air. We see his jaws open. The fire goes out and he falls and plummets. Cut to the master's boat and Smaug crushes the master and his boat. So you have like you have this cool death sequence and then it's ruined by like a oh the bad guy fell on the other bad guy joke like similarly to when the goblin king you know falls and and very finally I, crushes the the dwarves. I softly it, disagree. Okay. Because I think it's a good way to that one the master up. yeah wrap up that master storyline because that's boring. Two, the master had all the funds for Lake Town on his boat. So that makes sense that, like, you know, they lost all of their treasury department. Granted, I think Alfred should have been on the boat. That's my complaint about <laughs> sure. that. It's like, that you want to have Alfred, annoying character in, this, in the, the second movie? He does a great job. He does a great job of being annoying and being a thorn in, in, in uh, a Bard's thorn? side. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You get one. That's it. Someone, no, you someone your, literally quote, like tweeted at us early on, like, Jessica, stop interrupting with your dumb jokes. So, <laughs> no, please do. It's great. Um, but just like, I don't know, because it, with the goblin thing is like, oh, that's going to leave a mark in the morning. It's like, or, you know, like, oh, this situation can't get any worse. No, he's standing right behind me, isn't he? Like, that's the kind of joke that the goblin king felt like. I, I think. Uh, if the master would have been like, oh, of course, as Smog was dropping on him, then that's one thing. But I think th they handled it seriously. Like, get rid of them both. Yeah, I just think that liter for me, it was a bit too much to have Smaug just actually the corpse fall on him. Maybe we see the master sink or die some other way, but like, it just felt a little bit too on the nose, especially be fair, because Smaug of, is literally the size of Lake Town, so it's not like, yeah. it's not like it'd be pretty hard know. to it, avoid him. It that just was the only thing that bothered work. me about it right off the bat. But it doesn't. Lake Town does need to be destroyed. But like the second Smaug throws one line of fire, all he needs to throw is like two more, and that town's done. Oh yeah, he does. He it, it is a good representation of how destructive Smaug is because I think he takes like three passes. Cause like he's like going over and I like the buildup of him going over and not firing it. It's just like, like it's very, um, uh, you know, um, I was talking about it. What, what's the, what was it called? The night raids in world war two in London, like yeah, the bombings, yeah, the bombings, uh, the blitz, uh, uh, that's what it was. Um, it kind of reminded me of like stories of that, like where you yeah. just like, you can't see anything. You just hear it going over. Um, but yeah, it all just, all of this leads to, the, the men don't have an army. The the men of Lake Town or the people of Lake Town, they don't have an army. So calling this battle the five armies, like, it's there's no army. The people, like, they keep showing them. And I know I'm jumping ahead. But when they show the army of elves and it's like right in the middle, it's like, like 30 people with like pitchforks. Yeah. And yeah, we'll get into it more l later. But there's just like the the pure math of this just does not math at all. Like yeah, I love a good Lord of the Rings battle, but the math think, just. Ain't I think mapping. they were maybe trying to recall to Helm's Deep, in a, in a sense, you know, where you have sort of a, a makeshift militia kind of thing. But yeah, it it doesn't work. But we'll I'm get to. I'm trying to remember. Later. Does it say that there are a, a, a lot of men in the book? No, they're it not a part of it at all. Like they're not a part of the Battle of Five Armies at all in the books. But but they are, yeah, they are. the fifth army. 
Uh, or sorry, yes, they are. You're right. But like, did they refer to the size? I don't remember it necessarily okay. suggesting I do wanna, the size was I do want to ask you this because I feel like watching this this last time, the five armies in this are dwarves, men, elves, the goblins of uh, Dol Guldir, and then the goblins of Angband, right? It's are supposed those to be the eagles. But see, that's what yeah. I thought is that it's the in the book, it's the eagles or like the wolves or something like that. The, the wolves, yeah. It's the wolves? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the Battle of Five Armies, like I think there's like this funny graph of like you could you could pick there's like actually like six or seven armies in there. Like yeah. because I think I was always wondering because you know I played movie trivia and I was like, if I ever get this question, I don't know how I'm gonna answer it because right. there yeah. are two separate orc armies. And, and they, they specifically make a point that we'll get to later on where Legolas says, oh, they were bearing the mark of Gundabad. But then Azog is leading the Dol Guldur yeah. orcs. So they seem like they're two separate forces because he sends Bolg to get those as reinforcements, basically. Exactly. Yeah. All right. But we'll 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 focus yeah. on this this half first. But I've always I want to get that question out because I've been wondering. I like did research on this and it's just like there's so many different answers. Mm hmm. I'm definitely uh, not going to do research still. So. <laughs> uh, one one last thing before we move on um, from the Smaug destruction. Was anyone else weirded out by the like close-up of the old woman getting incinerated? Do I you guys thought remember she, that? She lived because I literally have Did she the... live? Okay. She shouldn't because yeah, it's the same I, argument that you made about fire doesn't work Do we see her later? Way. Jessica, you read my mind. I literally have that same note. Yep. That's not how fire works, Peter! Exclamation <laughs> point. So, like, again, he does the yeah. fire, you know, goes in separate directions. So, I think she lived. I think she lived. Okay. She did. She had to have. That was yeah. the whole point. I thought yeah. when they cut away. Moment, she lived. I thought when they cut away, it was implied, no, as soon as we cut away, she was incinerated. And I don't I know. It was weird it's, they showed it's that. It's very possible. Just um, a weird shot. Yeah, it it definitely is a weird shot, but I just I this that's so funny that you mentioned that because I literally had that exact <laughs> note of like, I, yeah. Peter, stop doing this. You were going second to second movie someone. in a row. Come second on, second movie in a row. Um, but yeah, and that this is see like what you said is that uh, of how Smaug landing on the the master of Lake Town compares to the goblin. This this next moment where you have people crawling out on the beach again. To, like uh recall like world war ii it looks like yeah. saving private ryan like there's destruction there's all these things like people are crying and dying and bleeding and then you have alfred like <laughs> right in the middle like you know crawling over somebody like oh help man I'm like why, why are you still alive like pushing people into the water like yeah like yeah it's horrible when it's, it's so just tone deaf and i'm like i don't need lord of the rings to be saving private ryan at all but you can't have both of these things these tones like just constantly clashing in these movies and i don't know why like they insisted again if alfred would have died in and right there i would have been like you know what annoying character but he's done they like, were about to kill him ben they were about to and like let them let them then, bard and then the guy who plays alfred did like a tight five at the chuckle hut one night <laughs> he's like appears like i gotta you're in the third movie kid yeah you got moxie or something i don't know what happened man but the fact that we get an entire full another full movie with this guy i even in the theater i was like he lived oh my god and i think the reason that they kept him around <laughs> 
is like they I, I think the thinking was we need like an antagonist for Bard at the beginning to show that th- th- there's some kind of conflict there. And I, di- I disagree with the writers for keeping him around because I think you could have e- just as easily have had Bard be the sort of reluctant leader that he is in the yes. little bits we get to see. Oh, that's and so you don't, true. You don't need the extra bit of Alfred trying to claim leadership and then him, you know, brown nosing Bard. Like, you don't need all that. You can no. just have Bard struggling with that internally, but that's more complex and, and harder to wrap your no, mind around, not. I guess. It's well, re- I'm, I'm it's... saying from the perspective of of the people who, who uh, worked on this. Uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't I truly don't like, you know, we're I'm going to give out homework assignments saying like, you know, let's do a re-edit into two movies, you know, at the end of next episode. And, you know, like, and I'm I was thinking about it, I was like, there's not a lot I would cut out of the first movie. It's going to be tough yeah. to edit that one down because I think it works well for the most part pacing wise, in my opinion. Um, but just like this. And I don't mean like the actor's doing his job. I really like this is not, uh you know, people sending death threats to joffrey because people are stupid and can't understand that this person is an actor like uh or like nate from ted lasso like had to put a disclaimer out on twitter (gasps) after that last season because he's like because you know spoilers for ted lasso you know nate takes a turn uh and becomes an antagonist uh but it's just like y'all it's a it's a character and the right. fact that you're so mad means he's doing a good job right but wow. like this character just like he serves no purpose in this in this story at all and the fact that they keep giving him jobs to do <laughs> yeah like after a while you know fool me once shame on shame on you fool me what is it three four times in this movie even gandalf yeah is like, like i'm okay. gonna give you an important job like Unless- you're all stupid Unless Gandalf wants Bilbo no. to, well, to leave. Because here, here's the thing about that moment. I was about to say, I agree with you, Ben, except for one thing. The purpose that he serves is to give a reason in in the in the story why Bilbo is able to get back to Thorin because Gandalf, Gandalf would never give him that shot. He has an invisible ring. Right, right. But that's the thing is like, like they needed to be like, oh, there's a reason why but it doesn't make any sense. And like, why would Gandalf trust Alfred? Cause the first thing Alfred does is sort of throw shade on him when he gets in. It's like, dude, don't you know who this guy is? He's a wizard. Uh, so why would Gandalf trust him with this important, seemingly important job? Cause Gandalf clearly doesn't want Bilbo to go back to his Thorin friend. He's afraid. Bilbo's his friend. Yes, it's, it <laughs> makes, it makes him. Gandalf look just so dumb. <laughs> it, I don't understand it. You know what it was? Even, even, even Ian McKellen on the day was like, this guy is great. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's give this, yeah. let's give him this line. It oh must've been that. Okay. We, I'll move us on. Even though I started this, I'll take full responsibility. Uh, the actor's <laughs> doing his job. But it's just I'm just watching this. Um, I was just so confused. I was like, "Why it's did Charlie they do Jack. this?" But yeah, anyways. Um, but but now we can move on because uh, to another one of our favorite things in this movie. No, uh, I'm sure <laughs> is immediately after we get this sort of Alfred Bard dynamic, we get uh, Keeley. No, coming up mm. tutorial. Mm. Can we <laughs> just not talk dance. about uh. certain things? Uh. This is yeah. how you feel about mm. Alfred is mm. how I feel about this. And here's why. Killy doesn't love Tariel. He thinks she's hot. 
and that's it he that's only where, likes that's her where true love starts <laughs> it doesn't it's not the only it's way just uncontrolled hots for somebody it's that just walks into your life but it's because it, because he was checking out the other elf lady person man at rivendale there's no there's no truth in this it's so upsetting yeah they don't know each other at all yeah, they've it's... had one interaction where he says, what's down my pants? <laughs> and That's then literally he gives... the only conversation. And then he gives her what was down his pants. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess they did have a conversation where he opened up a little bit about the the, the heirloom that his mother gave him. But yeah. Oh, was that, that the heirloom? Is, but wasn't that the down stone. his pants? I'm sure it was. I think he was. I think he has I'm, mother issues. I'm sure he put it down there before he gave it to Toriel. um but my favorite moment uh we we had to rewind this while we were watching it my favorite moment in this scene is keely's like come with me toriel and then she says i can't and does the dramatic turn away like and (sighs) and lets the hair fly and it's so over the top i love it i don't know why don't ask me it makes no sense i love like i'm such a hypocrite that like i just got done ranting and raving about alfred and how bad he is and then i'm just like it makes no sense. I don't care. It works. Like if this was '90s Lord of the Rings, this would like have like the glossy effect over, like the slow zoom into each of their faces. It doesn't need it because they're basically doing it emotionally. Like oh, it, so all, it is happening. And if it wasn't melodramatic enough, uh-huh. we we get the shot on both of them after this whole like oh well, I want to come with you, but I can't. And then she's debating it and thinking about it. And then the camera pans to see Legolas just glowering, like, come, Dorio, take leave of him. Oh, so it's we, we, so good. Just the love triangle love dynamic in full mm. effect, reinforced by the cinematography. Just, and I guess when uh, I say it's so good, it is done exactly to a T, how you tell that story. Just, yeah, perfectly and on the And it's painful. I love it. It's, and then oh, the way he like leaves all dejected and he does the turnaround in order to give her the token too. It's no, no, no. Hold uh, on. Stop, stop hating on my boy Legolas because again. I'm not talking about Legolas. I was talking about okay. Keely. Okay, okay, okay. I'm talking pull, about Keely. He was like, I'll, I'll put no, the hackles I'll away. I'll give you my, please. No, no. First of all, your boy Legolas has a heart and it's broken. And he's It is still- broken, but it is a heart of gold because <laughs> literally he sees her falling in love with Keely right in front of him. And the only reason he says take leave, because we got some stuff to do. We got some orcs to handle here. He's not like, oh, you know, get out of here. That's my girl, bro. Right, because, 100%. Because right after that, the the rider shows up. Legolas, come home. Okay, we're coming home. Toriel can't come. Well, screw that, dude. We're going to Gundabad. See ya. And just goes with Toriel. That's... A true man right there. His heart. That is, that is pure gold masculinity right there, fellas. That's how you do it. Take notes. That's my boy. <laughs> that is my boy. That's a heart of gold right there. He's and got a job to do. Hair of gold, heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, because he could just go home and, and rest on his laurels. But Yeah, that's the thing. A, t- a toxic man would be like, all right, peace out, Torrell. Fun over here in Lake Town. It's destroyed. You're going to go with your, your new dwarf boyfriend? <laughs> your tall dwarf, right. dwarf boy. <laughs> Does the Fortnite L dance on her or something? <laughs> <laughs> he does the Charles, Char- uh, what is it? The Charleston? Yeah. Not the yeah. Charleston. The Char- What's his name? 
I don't they know. Sued, they got sued. The the oh the, uh, from uh, Fresh Prince Carlton. Carlton. Yeah, yeah. Charlton is what I was trying to the say. Tra- anyway, <laughs> as I continue to derail us, it's it's just so saccharine and melodramatic that I just want Toriel to be killed already. So moving on, uh, they what happens next, Alex? Uh, let's see. Uh, we have more. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I, I do have this note because it shows uh, the three dwarves going up to the mountain. Yes. Um, and like this is one of the few like it's such a stark contrast because they show like it's like a helicopter shot of Feely and Keely and uh, Bo- Bofer like, uh, you know, going up the mountain to, to Erebor. And it's this beautiful shot. And it's like, oh, this is why I used to love this. Yeah. And then the next cut is to them walking up with the greens. And I realize, you know, they can't build Erebor, but it's like this really green screen, like digitized thing. And it's such a stark contrast of like, oh, man, when they put the effort in to do the, the helicopter shot and them wandering yeah. around, it looks beautiful. But then they go right back to green screen everything anytime they're they have a indoor sequence and it has just that weird feel when they're doing the the different scales of actors composited together like in bard's house we had that in bjorn's uh, house i think a couple rivendell moments and it just you can instantly tell the the shift in the way the shot feels because it just feels very artificial and like in bilbo's house so um totally agree there uh it's yeah, a, a, a slap in the face. Um, but as soon as they get into Erebor, Bilbo meets up with them and is immediately like, whoa, we got to go. And you're like, what? What's going on? And reveals to them that Thorin is down with the sickness, the dragon sickness. Oh, no. Oh, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> wah, where's that Thorin's soak and shield thing? Good night. <laughs> <laughs> You went for it. I was trying to find the Arkenstone because Thorin Arkenstone Would that shield. be a, would that be a, oh, that's a good, uh, oh, never mind. I oh, think you, Jess, I think on, you might have on. the dragon sickness. Yeah, this I think is, so too. What's going on Also, here? we can edit this out, but a great, great porn name would be Throbin Soaking Shield. <laughs> no, that's staying in. That's okay. staying yeah, in. I think we can, because it's not, it's not too graphic. Okay, but, okay. Robin Soaking Shield is very good. <laughs> oh, I'm going to change every gamer tag to that now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at the Call of Duty lobbies. Uh, oh yeah, so anyway, he's got the dragon sickness. We knew it was happening. Uh, I said to Alex, I was like, oh, well, good thing Bilbo has the Arkenstone. And Alex is like, does he? And then we get another callback, which also this could have been part of the prologue too, if they really wanted to do it, but it didn't really it, make sense it's, to. It's a weird choice to me. Like, well, I, I get why they did it, but it it's just so we, we find we get a flashback uh, and we see, I think the reason they do the flashback is to sort of re- remind us of what Smaug said. Um, oh yeah. About, and it's good. Yeah. You know, it, it's it good. Works. Um, but d- remind us uh, about what Smaug said about maybe I'll let you take it to uh, mess with Thorin and reinforce in Bilbo's mind. Um, maybe the, maybe Thorin's not well. And this is a dynamic that I actually really enjoy. And I wish the, the moments they focus on it, I think, are really good. And we get awesome character moments between Thorin and Bilbo. Thorin, uh, I can't remember the actor's name who plays Thorin, but gets to just Armitage. Be- 
Richard, Richard Armitage. Armitage. Thank you. Uh, he just gets to be very over the top and ham in it. Yeah, there, there's so much ham in here. We we mentioned the river of ham that Lee Pace gets to swim in. Everybody's taking a dip in this movie. There's there's some great cheesy moments. The river moments. of ham sounds and, disgusting. And that's the thing is that like you could have had a great setup because as soon as like you know uh, Bilbo says like we need to get out of here like Thorin's not right. It's like wait, all the dragon sickness stuff has already set in like. I I'm, I like the dragon sickness uh, like angle. I think that's interesting. Like just the gold itself is like cursed, and you know you will become like over overcome by greed or something. And the minute they walk in, like he's like, "Oh, my sister's sons, welcome to Erebor." And it's like, I "Oh wait, high. yeah." It's like, "Oh, it, it already happened." Well, oh well, that here, I kind of want to see that. Here's the thing: I agree with like letting us see it. Um, the interesting thing about like the, the pacing of this movie, um, it's been, it's bad three. Well, yes, it's bad, (laughs) but also there's, they don't, I think do a good job of communicating how much time has passed. It took them a few days to get to Erebor. Like, and they say that it's been a few days. So They've been in the mountain. Thorin's been in the gold for maybe like almost a week at this point, but it's unclear to the Has viewer. Has he though? Because yes. like they, they, there's one little moment where they say it took him a few days to get there. So like it's, that's what they said. Yeah. When? And, when do they say that? As they get there, like as Feely or Keely come in. If, if you missed it, I don't blame you because they like gloss by it and. So the other thing I was looking up is because I was interested in this because this is how my mind works. When Legolas and Toriel go to Gundabad, I was like, "How far away is Gundabad?" Uh, it's like three hundred miles. <laughs> so it would be like a two week, maybe a one week, because they're elves on elf horses, like round trip. So a lot of time elapses where and, I and, see because the mountains under siege too. And in the book, this is the case where they're just in there under siege for a long time, you know, but, but they don't but, do a good job of explaining that in the movie. But, they're, so. but uh, this is where I'll hardly disagree is that like they're never under siege in this movie. Never. It is a right. just battle. Like, yeah. like I, I have in my notes later on, like this is some real Game of Thrones season eight traveling where they go from, you know, the wall to king's landing in an hour or something like that when it took them yeah where and it took them like half a season in season one Mm -hmm. um so i don't know that seems like a little bit of a stretch to me Uh, they might have said it but they are the fact that they don't portray that like at all because i'm pretty sure when they leave lake town in the second movie they're like oh we need to be there by like they leave in yes. the morning and they leave and they get there by sundown like that day. That's actually so, an excellent point. Yeah. It's so that's inconsistent. The, that's the thing is that if they, if there's a throwaway line, then that's even worse because in the previous movie, it took them exactly 12 hours to get there before sun sundown. Yeah. And in this one, it takes them a week. Why? Yeah, it's it makes sick. no sense. It's because his leg hurts. And he's a, it's it's because there, there needed to be more dramatic tension because it was at the end of the second movie. But here it's at the beginning, so there's less dramatic tension. So it can take him three days. But yeah. I, yeah, it's completely internally inconsistent. But that's what the movie says. And if we're basing it on the book, a long time passes. And I think, yeah, I would have liked to see that better represented and l- let us see that sickness set in. We just get like a lingering shot of Thorin kind of. Well, we saw know, him. Moping. He was getting there. At, like he, we've seen him be. Yeah. 
he was susceptible, let's put it that way. But that is my question, and Bard says that that gold is cursed. Why does anyone want the gold, though, now, if there's a dragon curse on it? He wa- Bard wants to spend it. Like, he, they just need it. Like, he doesn't want to live in the mountain. He just needs it for his people. Like, because all of their treasures sank to the bottom with the master. But if they and take it from the mountain, is the sickness gone? Or is, like, what is what are the rules here? Yeah, that's the question, is what are, what are the rules? I don't think... I personally don't think Bard is speaking literally. Like, there's a literal magical curse that someone bestowed upon mm. it. But then later on, Gandalf implies that with oh well a dragon was brooding over that treasure so well, i'm surprised why, and that's why Thorin you haven't su- been susceptible to the dragon sickness which i don't think that's how that works in the way tolkien kind of portrays it in the book but um well no and that's what yeah. ben was saying that he likes that, that they're kind of using that angle and it is interesting yeah um but if that's the case then why is it only affecting thorin is it going to affect other people? That's I guess that's where my question comes through. And this is, you know, I'm not a very logical person, but I don't want to have those kind of questions while I'm watching a TV sh- a movie, you know. Right. And I think that's where it just it bugs me because like if there was an actual curse like Gandalf implies, yeah, why like you said, why would it only affect Thorin? The other dwarves seem fine. Right? Yeah. Why wouldn't they be affected by it? Bill and and he heavily implies like, oh, but you haven't been affected, Bilbo, because you're a hobbit and they're resilient, and you know you've resisted the ring. We, you know he doesn't fail that, great, but that's the implication. I have great judge of character until it comes to Alfred. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They just make Gandalf <sighs> so bad in this. Uh, and then yeah, why why is Bard um, saying, well, we can take some of the gold, but then if it's actually literally magically cursed they would be affected which I, so it just doesn't make sense i agree with you that he d- he didn't necessarily mean that but that is an aspect of the story is that it's cursed yes. so yeah that's all um so speaking of gandalf being a dum-dum is now he in dolgor dolgor dolgo uh yeah we, baby yeah i have a, that we have another hair and makeup orc and he looks awesome yes the torture orc uh, with the spitting the blood, uh, is so great. Cool. So great. Um, I'm. I have so many problems with this Dolgoldur stuff. Even though there's some cool moments. Oh, um, it's pure. It's pure cheese. And yeah. I was watching it with uh with Mara, and she was like, "This is this is a video game." I was like, "I know, but yes. I love it." <laughs> it's <laughs> a video game cutscene for. It really is, and sure. like again, this is where I am totally aware that this is just me loving everything middle earth and it's like in a vacuum it's not good i don't i don't care i don't like i just don't because for me this is like so fun her walking in and in the extended she says some line like oh be gone from here and i'm like nah in in the theatrical again she just like does the the hand wave and to be fair, it's like it's a mixture of both where in the theatrical, they don't show the orc getting obliterated by her magic <laughs> blast. That's only in the extended. So oh, really? Weird. Yeah, it's it's just like they show like the bubble from like outside. Like, you know, it's the shot after where they show the whole okay. thing. Yeah. And so I'm like, I want I don't want her to say the line, but I do want to see the orc get blown the heck away like <laughs> T2 style. Yeah. Uh, it's insane. It's so cool like i like we've seen galadriel be like 
quote mad elf magic she can see she can you know like thought speak and stuff like that she's never been like gene gray just x-men yeah. <laughs> like Galadriel the phoenix love it yeah, she does great. she literally goes full dark phoenix in this yeah. and i'm and, there for it and just like the the badassery of and they they have the tarantino shot of just her walking up barefoot which i'm yes. sure a lot of people were pleased with Yes, very uh, pleased. You included weirdo. Well, I actually I, I'm into saw, one of those two things. Okay. I saw this scene having not seen this movie yet because people were uh, sharing it because of Rings of Power, where it's like, no, she definitely can fight and she definitely has beef with Sauron and she definitely has a history, um, which, again... This is Peter Jackson's version of history and how he wrote it. Is this well, is this how she fought and saved him? There is no description uh, blow by blow of the fight, but yes, it is canon that the White Council did indeed banish Sauron from Dol Guldur. That's so all I'm saying, though, happens. is like the lines yeah. that she's saying at Sauron. It's like kind of cool that, like in yeah. the Rings of Power, he's calling himself. Halbrand, and he's like, I've had many names. And then she says, you are nameless. You are faceless. You know, there's like certain pe- things that people were pushing towards. Like say, hey, it's like not not possible that this was it. If you guys all bought that this happened in the Peter Jackson films. That's my only point. Yeah. And I so think, when I like, saw it apropos of nothing, I was like, actually, this is kind of cool. But you're right. In the movie, it's a little cheesy because it also is a little too fast. It's a little weird. Well, so the before and before we get more into the fight scene, because I do want to talk about that. Uh, in the in the sequence where Gandalf is getting uh, beat up by the orc, I really don't like that they have this random orc just go, oh, well, the master wants the ring, the secret ring you have that nobody knows who has the three elven rings, but I know, and I, I somehow it's revealed, like we see it on his finger, but like Sauron didn't know who had the elven rings. That's the right. whole point. They kept him secret. Uh, he might have suspected. He probably knew Galadriel had one of them and suspected others. But I think of all the three rings, uh, Gandalf would have been the one that he least suspected. Actually, so that's pretty does... dangerous. All three rings are there <laughs> at that moment. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. a it's a desperate move. They they're they're banishing a force of evil. Um, but yeah, so I really don't like that. The, the whole point is that Sauron did not know uh, for certain who had these rings and he had his theories and Gandalf would have been the, the least on his list. Cause that was given by Círdan. He's not even an elf. Like, so uh, really don't like that. Cause that just kind of, I think it's a way for Peter Jackson to just show, okay, this is why they're so powerful and they can banish Sauron. Cause here's, here's the wielders of the three rings. So let me just yeah. give you that as a reminder viewer. It's not cause Sauron actually knows, but I just want to remind you uh, so I really don't like that element of it. Um, yeah, again, it's like it's like more extended stuff because that's not in the theatrical. I think he's oh, just really? like okay. in the in the theatrical. I think he's just there to like beat him up or something like that. Like, sure. like no one's coming for you. Like, oh, get out of here and just like starts kicking him or something like that. But what follows is just just pure unadulterated just fan fiction and just because like you said like they don't there's not a blow by blow of like how they exercise Sauron from Dolgoldir and I'm I'm about it I'm about the Nazgul showing up in ghost form like that 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 rotating shot of them showing up that's awesome and like reciting reciting the poem that Galadriel then finishes with like End nine for mortal men, and then the ring race come in, just like so ham and on the nose. 
And then yeah. Saruman and Elrond showing up and like, do you need assistance, my lady? And I do love that, like, old Christopher Lee, like they give him the one like, <laughs> ah, like he's like lunging towards something. And then they obviously cut to a stunt double, which yeah. of course he's 90 something in this movie. Like, I don't expect him to do his own stunts. Like right. not everybody is Dick Van Dyke who can tap dance on a desk and Mary Poppins returns. That guy's a that guy's a specimen. But I love it. It's awesome. It's because we've never seen Elrond like in action before, like he, a little bit of the last Alliance, but that's kind of it. Like he, you know, gets an arrow shot by his ear and swings one sword. I, I think he, I love it. he has the cheesiest one liner. Cause he entered. I think stayed yeah, dead. You should have stayed yeah. dead. Like it's, yeah. it's so. <laughs> he probably came so back cheesy. on because he got to say that line. <laughs> I right. would. Yeah. And as a, as a fan myself of the, um, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War video games. This, mm. as you said, it feels right out of that. Because in that game, you literally fight the Ringwraiths yes. as a different character. But uh, and I don't know if these if those games came up before this movie, so they might have like looked to that uh, for the inspiration because they kind of have the same. You know, they're fighting them in the ghostly form. Yeah, uh, that you fight them in the in these video games. So as much as the lore nut in me wants to hate this. There's a part of me that loves it, even though I acknowledge it's 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 pretty over the top, including um, when Gandalf is uh, drained of power and knocked out. And then he's literally because everyone is a simp for Galadriel. He's awoken by her kiss. <laughs> like, that's the thing that causes him to <sighs> come back that, to life. That is the one thing. And he's like, come with me, my lady. It's like, yeah. Gandalf, like. Bro, do you see what's happening around here? Do you see it, that we're in the middle so of a fight? Weird. That's what, that you guys, and that's the thing is that, like, you know, we talked about it in the the first one, like the, this weird romance subplot that they give Galadriel and Gandalf. Like, it's so strange. Where I'm I just like, I'm fully in this fight. This is the coolest thing that, like, Nazgul versus Elrond and Saruman. Like, hell yes, absolutely. And then you do this, and I'm like. Ugh. Do we think, get out of here? Do we think it's romantic or do we think it's do we think it's just him being concerned because he knows Sauron is there and his friend might be conquered? Alex, stop. You did this in the first movie. I'm just I, asking stop questions. It. Stop denying. I'm just asking questions. No, you're not. You are <laughs> leading the witness objection. <laughs> I'm gonna agree with with Ben here because she wouldn't have woken him up with a kiss then which is weird she could have Wait, laid so are, hands on him are you or, saying that she also is maybe one thousand percent the way that they hold hands and she's playing hard to get and talking sweet nothings into his ear she's leading him on and that's what? why here's oh, here's what i'm saying she showed up here's barefoot really, to save him here's what i'm really saying <laughs> is when he says come with me he's literally saying come be my lover and she denies him in that moment so it's extra sad i swear to god that's the subtext yeah and the leaf woke up the balrog so do also, we do we also, think that go ahead go ahead alex do, do we think that when the blow your mind. do we think that when the fellowship was in lorian and and gandalf just looked over while they were receiving their gifts and saw gimli get the three hairs he was like god he was god, dead in lorian and he wasn't there Oh yeah, he was That's dead. Why Sorry, he died. never mind. Yeah, he died if he would, if he would have seen that, I'm just like oh, getting yeah. all the lore things wrong today. Revoke what my if... lore expert card. Okay, I know Lord of the Rings doesn't do needle drops, but what if when she kissed him, and like 
the most metal stuff like ghost knights are fighting elves and wizards what if <laughs> bring me to life by evanescence just starts playing <laughs> Wake me up! <laughs> and, then you, and then you have goth Galadriel like just raise up. Yes. Save me! And then Sauron just gets banished to Mordor. Like someone, whoever's listening is yeah. a good editor. Someone send that to me because I will I need, post it everywhere and make it my ringtone. Because now, I, now I just need to see we it. We all now need it need, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it actually is a perfect blend because like all the all a lot of the memes at the time was. Thorin emo boy and then yeah. you, put, you layer this on top of it it's big it's timely let's just put it that way and the thing I, I don't think it would work if she didn't turn into goth galadriel and like you know go full super saiyan on him but like i think that the it's so good i love it need to make it happen but i do and that's the thing is that where i love this as a Middle Earth fan, it does it, it goes back and we talked about this last week where it's just like, yeah, they banished him to Mordor, but it seems like everyone's real surprised in Fellowship where he's like and they even say he, without the one ring and the one rings, you know, in the sea or, you know, in the Anduin. I get it. I see you raising your finger, Alex. They, they technically banished him to the east, not Mordor. So I just want to make sure that that's on the record. Oh, forgive me. How how dare I? <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I I got the thing wrong that Gandalf was alive in Lorien, so it's all yeah. good. <laughs> That's a much bigger thing to get wrong. Uh, but he actually was banished to the east. <laughs> well, actually, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, it just like this is a little too much of like, and then you know the Sauron like I'll take care of Sauron. It's so like, cheesy. okay. Yeah, it's like guys, I've seen. I've seen the fellowship. I get where we're going. We not yeah. every single thing needs to lead to it, but it's okay. Yeah, they gotta tie up all the knots and just give, literally every single knot. Every yeah. single one and leave no room for any kind of interpretation. <laughs> uh and we also even get the sort of um origin of the hero's weapon, uh, where uh, Gandalf. So Gandalf gets whisked away by the Roscobel rabbits and Radagast sled, yeah. uh, and then he's like, "I must go." You know, gather. He tells Radagast, "Gather the beasts and birds," and then he's like, "I gotta go to Erebor and warn them about what's coming." And then Radagast is like, "Take my staff," and we see the staff that Gandalf has in uh, the the Fellowship, uh, and then we get the great line of Radagast. It can be a bit dicky. Just twiddle with the top there, which we see him do. When the light's not quite working, oh! Uh, in but Fellowship. is the stone not blue when Radagast? Oh, never mind. What? Radagast is a blue wizard. No, he's no, not. He's, no, he's he's a he's the brown. Oh, never mind. I was gonna yeah. say, but isn't the stone is the stone it's, it blue? Is. Yeah, but it's not in the Fellowship. It might be a different one. And also, he he white. puts the stone in in Moria. It's not just yeah. always there. Oh, right. Okay. Fair, um, fair. But yeah, it's be just, going through a lot of staffs, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you go up against the forces of evil, you're going to get staffs broken a few times. Jeez. Uh, I mean, we haven't even talked about the staff infection. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's two. <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, getting real close to that line, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, IMO. I'm really funny today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're. You know what? You're right. In your opinion, you are very funny. Exactly. <laughs> 
of dragon right, so, sickness, staph infection. Oh my god! It's this movie's a real health hazard. <laughs> All right, so this no, this movie is really bad, is what it is. Okay, so what happens next? Speaking of the dragon sickness, we cut back to Erebor, Thorin's full-on power tripping, and uh, Balin and Bilbo have a great conversation again. This movie shines really when Bilbo is yes. interacting with people and having character moments. And they're both kind of talking around the Arkenstone thing, and and it's subtle, but the, both these actors give great performances. And Bilbo basically hints to him that he's the he's like, well, if 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 he were to get the Arkenstone, I don't know how that would happen, but um, would it make things better? And Balin basically says, I think it would actually make things worse. So maybe it's best to stay lost. And then he kind of gives a little eye twitch of like. If you got it, Bilbo, just hold on to it. Um, and then uh, we get a moment of Thorin being completely paranoid and coming up to Bilbo. What do you have? And he's just fiddling with an acorn. And he he breaks through the dragon sickness for a moment by telling Thorin about what he's going to do, planting this acorn uh, in his garden in the Shire. Yeah, it's it's so, you know... We almost get more Alfred than Bilbo in some parts of this movie, and it's yeah. just seeing it's, again like we we've raved about Ken Stott as as Balin in this in this these these films, and he's so good, and I just do love that scene of just like oh would it make it worse or would it make it better, and Balin knows like he knows, and there's a scene later uh, that I think should have been Balin and not Dwalin, and we'll talk about that when it comes up. Um, but yeah, I just, I, he, Martin Freeman is just, he is putting his full back into this movie and it's showing and he's so good. He's just so good. And just, uh, it needs to be said every time there is like these small scenes. Cause the more these movies go along, like, and I know he gets knocked out in the books, but like he gets knocked out for like the last 45 minutes of this movie. So it's, it's a long time that we don't have, and like, that would be fine if we had more Bilbo leading up to it but we don't and then he gets knocked out and it's just like why come on he is easily like by and far your best part and you're just not using him enough does he get back up again <laughs> you're out that's three you're out <laughs> i just don't want to do this episode anymore <laughs> <laughs> trying to push this away wow Oh god, conditional friends you are. Uh <laughs> yes, so we do get the you think Balin knows that he has the Arkenstone? Do you think that so? That was I, I think it's like this kind I so Balin is probably the dwarf in the company that Bilbo is closest to. Like mm-hmm. they have they've had the most interactions they seem like they are, you know, are the tightest. Um so I think in this conversation when Bilbo is kind of like bringing this up like well what if he were to get the arkenstone and he it's very subtle in martin freeman's performance but i think he kind of gives like a little bit of an indication micro expression to balin that he's asking for a reason and right. balin gives it right back to him but they're kind of speaking around it in code yeah um, I, I guess i didn't get that i was looking for that if that makes sense i was like okay what did he but it's it's either neither here nor there <sighs> yeah, I think that he like knows without knowing. Because I think like if he were to say any more, like Balin would feel like an obligation to tell Thorin because he's like he's still he's still his king, right? And right, so right. like he goes as far as he can without sacrificing like his honor or anything yeah. like that. Uh, and I like that. I think it works for both characters because Balin is like uh, not a fool. 
at all. And so I, I like I like this exchange very much. But again, Thorin asking 13, now 14 people, well, 13, because he's not searching himself, 13 people to search a city where the gold is four stories high, <laughs> four stories deep yeah. for a stone. And realistically, you know, like, and that's the thing is that that's why I want like the dragon sickness to be like the paranoia, like setting in. Like I, I want it. I, it's so poorly portrayed. And I, I wish we could have seen that a bit, a bit better because I like that angle. I like the angle because, you know, we see it a little bit in the book and we've seen it like where Thorne, like, you know, feels, you know, not obligated, entitled. Like he's, he definitely has like this entitlement of like, you know, the throne and everything like that. And we haven't seen that really, you know, like we saw a little bit in Denethor, but that was just like him losing power, but we've never seen someone like want the crown so bad. And so I, I wish we could have seen that a little bit more, uh, and a little bit better portrayed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I think the moments we do get with him are, are good though. Um, if if not only for uh him hamming it up and also like the uh preparation jumping ahead a little bit the the preparation montage for war uh we get the kind of conversation where they like go slow mo on mm-hmm. Richard Armitage's Armitage's uh performance and like warp his words and it's just very uh I think that's like it's just a very unsettling uh, moment where I think I, that's that's what they use to try and hit home just how um, how much this has gotten to him. But I think that's kind of a shortcut. It is because like us. that moment in itself really works for me. Him saying Smaug's words like I will not part with a single coin like, you know, the I don't know how <laughs> they really do slow him down quite a bit in that moment. I think it, I think it works because they want to make him sound like a dragon. Um, but like leading up to it, like they haven't justified that level of like true insanity yeah. uh, and like, you know, dragon sickness to that moment quite yet. But I, I, I like that moment in a vacuum. You know, I've said that a lot worse. Like, <laughs> I, I can find things that I like about this movie, even though I know it's not a very good movie. For sure. Um, so we get more of the refugees uh, moving through the ruins of Dale, mm-hmm. uh, making their way to try and seek shelter with the dwarves. Little do they know what's going on inside. Uh, we get Alfred sucking up more to uh, Bard and calling him sire over and over, which I'm sure you loved, Ben. Um, and then they see the braziers are lit, so they go, oh, the dwarves must have survived. Um... And we get the dwarves making uh, defense preparations uh, when they see these refugees coming to take shelter with them because Thorin uh, is mad. So he says, we can't let them in. They must be coming here to seal our gold, even though they're just there to seek shelter. Uh, So we get uh, them stacking up all this rubble at the gate, blocking it up. And then Keeley kind of comes to their defense, um, you know, uh, because he was there. Yeah, right. saying like, "Hey, these people have lost everything. Can't we like give them any any uh, shelter?" And then we get a moment where Thorin says, "Like, oh, they should be grateful uh, just because they survived. Like, why are they, you know, sad? I don't get that. That's weird." 
Um, so more of this dragon sickness thing coming in. Uh, and then let's see. Oh, oh that's we when get, the elves show up, right? Yeah, the elves. Uh, the elves arrive. Uh, in Dale. Uh, we get to see Thranduil coming in on his awesome uh, moose mount once again. So sick. Yeah. Is the, that is the coolest thing possibly in all six movies is Lee Pace on an elk. Like, <laughs> yeah. that is so dope. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, the reason, uh, well, the lead up to the elves uh, showing up is... Uh, Alfred was set on Nightwatch, and he said, yep, nothing past my sight, and then Bard walks out to the army, which is a, a little bit of a uh, comedic moment for the introduction. Womp, womp, yeah. womp, womp, womp. womp. <laughs> uh, so they, the elves have brought carts of food and drink to the starving and thirsty people of Lake Town, um, and Bard thanks them, but he goes, well, Thranduil goes, we're not here to help you. We're here to reclaim what is ours. The white gems of Las Galen. I mean, um, if you're not here to help them, don't give them food then. <laughs> right? Yeah, I always thought that was such a strange line where he's like, your gratitude is misplaced, even though I'm feeding you and clothing you and giving you supplies. Don't thank me. I'm like, uh, uh, okay, dude. Can, right. Both things can be true. Yeah, sending some mixed signals here, brother. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. He is a totally selfish person, but don't then don't bring those things. What actually yeah. is very funny, too, that they're bringing food in the books. They want nothing to do with anyone that's walking up to them in the forest. It's like, please, we're so hungry. We need help. Yeah. Like, so they don't want to help people, which is fair. It's just, it's just, it's like a little cognitive dis dissonance is all. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just because they need a, uh, it needs to be a twist when he goes, oh, actually we're here to get these gems back. Sure, doesn't you know, you need the audience to go, what? Um, even though they set it up in the first movie. Like, yeah. It's not a surprise. <laughs> um, uh, so then we get the, the cutaway to Thorin, like. Oh, the necklace. Oh. <laughs> I know an elf king that will pay a high price for this. I mean, that he just throws it down on a pile of diamonds that like scatter everywhere, uh, which I think is is great. Um, and then we get Bard kind of uh, questioning Thranduil, like, you'd go to war over a necklace? What the hell? Like, he's he's kind of the realist in this situation. Like, dude, most of my town just died and you're willing to have some of your people die over a necklace? What the heck? Mm -hmm. um, and so he's willing to go and speak to Thorin and see if they can avoid conflict. Um, and we get this kind of cool uh, negotiation sequence uh, through this like hole in the wall they've built, which I, I just like the, the, um, the back and forth shots through that. I think it's, um, it's a cool, cool little, uh, sequence um, and this is where i wish we'd shown a little bit like more dragon sickness where it's like because thorn brings up good points where he's like we had to barter for our birthright like i love i love that line like 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 you're thanking me for like you're saying like oh like you gave your words like well i had to because you yeah. guys don't give me any other choice like what was i supposed to do like that I have to like, oh, well, I'll give you a share if you just let us pass. If you, if you, like, we were starving and you guys wouldn't help us unless we, you know, gave you half the gold or something. And I kind of like that angle. Like it, it doesn't make He's him right. He is right, and like he, they make him seem like he's like some mad king at that point. When I'm like, no, he's he's kind of right. 
like he's got a he's got points at least to be listened to. Well, he I I think he does he does have a point, but I think this is where I actually like that take on it because um the the evil and lies and these kinds of things have their root in truth. And so, yeah, he it is true that that is the case, but that's what's happening now too. Like Bard is coming and has no other choice. So it yes, Thorne is right, but it also shows his complete lack of empathy because he's saying, "Well, I, you didn't help us, so what were we supposed to do?" And then what's he's turning too. around and not helping Bard. So it's like, okay, your argument's kind of invalid at that point because you know it, you gotta it, it. It can't be a one way street. You know what I mean. I- and what's interesting about that, Alex, is one of the reasons, the key reason he hates Thranduil is because Thranduil literally turns his back on them to, yes. it, when they needed help, too. So, you know, this is where uh, this is where it's it's so much less um, the reluctant king versus really a, someone who shouldn't be king is really what i think we're we're which is this which is the story i guess i guess is my point is he's not learning he's still adolescent and he succumbs to his greed so easily and we're watching what how to lead poorly yeah yeah it's like they almost don't need the dragon sickness where it's just like it could be about thor not letting go of grudges and betrayals and where it's just like that's if you're going to you can do that, but you can't lead a country or, you know, a mountain or a town or, you know, whatever king of dwarves, like a, a whole race. Apparently, you can't lead an entire race of people if you're holding on to these old grudges that you refuse to let go, especially against like the people of Lake Town, where they didn't like they didn't come to your aid. Like they also got destroyed by the dragon. Like they're also in that same predicament that you it's were the in. It's dwarves so. fault that they got yeah. that they got. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's better that the dragon's gone in the long run, but it's their fault for inc- – even Bard said, don't do this. <laughs> this is a yeah. bad idea. So I think that's exactly my point, Ben, is we didn't need five other reasons why Thorin's losing his yeah. mind. We just need to see him be a bad leader. And yeah. and that's not yeah. fair to, to the dwarves because the dwarves are a great, awesome race of people. Thorin just sucks. <laughs> yeah. And especially with how they, you know, spoilers for the next movie, with how they solve the dragon sickness of him just like being over it. Like they don't, nothing happens. He just has like a, a, a this fever dream and then it's gone. You didn't need to have the dragon sickness. You just need to have Thorne like realize like, hey, I'm being kind of an a-hole right now. Like that's not what a true leader should be. Let's do, let's do better. Yeah. The, the, the magical explanation was not needed. It could have yeah. just been uh human or in this case, dwarf nature. Like, because that's, that's all the thing you is need. That, and then it's more interesting too. It's more interesting if you do that. It is because like, you can't have someone be this really flawed, like selfish, like untrusting person leading up to him, be getting the treasure. And then like, not much changes. It's just like dialed up to 11. Like, it's right, just like right. he's still the same guy. He's just like doing more. And so it's like you needed to have him be a leader, like be a better leader throughout the movie. And then like, oh, wow, Thorne's like he's really messed up from this treasure now. So it's definitely the treasure's fault. It's definitely just not Thorne being Thorne. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. So what happens next, Alex? Where are we? Is that so, where oh, we see the werewolves? 
Uh, well, before that, uh, we, we do see, again, we see the ravens flying away, which we mentioned earlier. Sadly, they do not talk. Um, and um, Thorin kind of hints uh, about Dane uh, at this point uh, when we see the ravens. Um, uh, after Bilbo kind of uh, gets on him for his poor decision-making skills in not agreeing to uh, a truce. Um, and then we get that war montage, uh, where Bilbo's given the mithril chain and we see all the, the cobwebs coming off the dwarven armor. Um, and then, and then Thorin, Theron going, I am small. Yeah, the slow-mo, <laughs> which we talked about. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. But that uh, is like quite a gift for like, you're, you're going to be in battle too. And you're going to give like the best piece of like armor to i mean it's a very nice thing to give him i don't like, think it's gonna fit any of them though i think was the was the theory right that's that's a hobbit size male <laughs> yeah and it, it's even a little big for for bilbo is it oh so then maybe it is a dwarf yeah it's definitely made for a dwarf i but see I, I think yeah i think the rationale probably is like well he's gonna need it more than us you know what i mean they, they've all seen battle well, and supposed to increase the betrayal that Thorin feels, which is actually that does work for me, right? Like Thorin is like, yeah. I, the, I trust you, the only one. I don't even trust my sister sons, and <laughs> I'm gonna give you this mithril, <laughs> right? And he's like, you're on my side, Bilbo, right? You never do anything to harm me, right? Right? I don't know that 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 shirt's pretty cool looking. <laughs> <Say> <laughs> sure, you never do anything to harm me. Say you'd never betray me. Uh, never. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then so then we go, we cut to Legolas and Tariel arriving at Gundabad. Uh, we get some cool, trippy Dutch angles of uh, the fortress. Um, and they see some lights on inside. Ooh, I wonder what that could be. And uh, Legolas confides in Toriel when he's telling her about the wars that his, uh, his people used to fight with Angmar. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, my mom died in those wars. So apparently Toriel just loves hearing about her uh, love interests' uh, moms because that's yep. the one thing that both Legolas and uh, Keeley seem to uh, connect with her on. Truly. Uh, and then we see the bats flying out, and then Legolas is like, well, that can only mean one thing. War. War. These bats are bred for a single purpose. War. It's like, <laughs> and love. Yeah. <laughs> My heart I, and love, and then, and then he puts his arm around Toriel. Yeah, <laughs> I, I these bats are this big, and puts his <laughs> arm around her. <laughs> uh, but this is where I think this is where Gandalf arrives to the camp, right? Like to to Dale. Yes, and that's because like Lee Pace and Bard are meeting, and I do love. There's two things that I love. One. Uh, where he's like, oh, there's an orc army coming. You guys have to, you know, stop this. And he's like, well, we didn't see an army. And that's yeah. where they show, like, the the wereworms, like, you know, digging through the earth, which is cool. Uh, yeah. But then I love Lee Pace. What's the line? Rolling thunder on a wild wind. Yes. Like, I, I made note of this, too. It's just, like, beautiful poetry of the description of, of wizards. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, amazingly delivered by Lee Pace. It's so good. Like, and then, uh, and then it, this is only in the extended, but I do love this is when Bilbo's about to sneak out of the mountain to try and like, you know, 
He's got the Arkenstone. Uh, it's been officially shown now that he has it. And uh, he's going to go, you know, try and barter with it. But I do love, you know, Beaufort sees him and he's, you know, he thinks he's sneaking away because he's never been. And he's like, you've never been on the edge of battle. Uh, and he's like, and we're going to die. Yeah. Like it's 13 against an army. Like, yeah, they send out a raven, but we don't know how long it's going to take. Um but I do love this interaction between them. And it sh- again, it shows how good Martin Freeman is. And you should have put him more in the movie. Because just like, he's yeah. like, uh, he's like, you know, I will see you tomorrow, Bofer. Like, I'm not, like, it was like a very good, like, I'm not leaving you guys. Like, and he's like, goodbye, Bilbo. And it's just a great interaction. And it I, makes yeah. me so sad on beh- Bilbo's behalf, though, too. Yeah. Like, he doesn't believe Bilbo. No. But he doesn't like he doesn't believe Bilbo, but he's also happy that he's leaving. Yeah, he's being like, you think kind so? In that I think so. Yeah. I, I really think he's like, you have never fought. You're not a fighter like where we got you. Like, yeah, you've toughened up, but you're still not a fighter. Like, I think he's happy. I think he'd be happy for anyone to leave. Well, and he knows Thorin's lost his damn yeah. mind. And, yes. and he's like, no one. You shouldn't have to die because of that. And and it calls back to the moment they had earlier when Bilbo was going to leave uh, in the caves before Goblin Town. And, mm-hmm. and he says, like, I have a home and you don't have a home. And he hurts Bofor's feelings. But Bofor's like, no, you're right. And so I think Bofor's thinking back to that moment and going, you know what? Bilbo's going home and he has a home like and so he's happy for him in that moment like he's not going to die without seeing his home again so it it really shows the difference between like Bofor and Thorin and all these dwarves is like Bofor is probably the most like empathetic of Bilbo and and just everybody around him which is why he's my favorite yep he's the best James he's Nesbitt best. and like his his two lines of let's like goodbye Bilbo and then like yeah. I wish you all the luck in the world just like oh rip my heart out good god yeah uh, so then we get Bilbo sneaking down um, with the intention to return, however. Um, with the best line delivery, hands down, in all three movies, yes. across all Lord of the Rings adaptations ever, Bilbo copping to Lee Pace about stealing the keys under the the guards of Mirkwood. And just says, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, he's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Like the fact that he's probably alone on set again, because like they didn't do any forced perspective. It's all green screen, and, you know, the composited in like the fact he's like, yes. <laughs> like he's because like, yeah, I would also say that in front of Lee Pace, like he's like, if I'm not mistaken, this is the Hobbit that, you know, took all my wine barrels under the guise of my guards. And he's like, yes, <laughs> so good. He's so good. I love he's it. like deciding whether to say no. He thinks he's going to get killed in this moment. He has yeah. no idea. what's. Thank God. Thank well, God for his sake that Gandalf is there. If Gandalf is not there, this whole scene goes a very different way. It, yes, it does. It, it's also great when you think about how Bilbo spent weeks in uh, Thranduil's kingdom and probably like saw Thranduil like, you know, taking a crap. Like, and he knows he's the king. He knows who he is in this moment, clearly. And this is the first time that the king has seen Bilbo. And so when you when you think of all that and have that in the back of your mind, it's it just makes that moment even better that he's like, oh, this is Thrand. Oh, this is this guy. Oh, no. 
Yeah, I love it. I, I, it's, it's so this so is where good. the movie is just good, right? We, even yeah. like I think it's weird when Bard's looking at, you know, Thorin in a diamond shape, but it still works, and there's still good arguments, and you know, it even though it is it's kind of stupid that Alfred let you know, the army show up or whatever. It's it's starting to actually cook and everything's starting to work. And this is where it's giving, getting even better because your major players and and the the relationships that they've decided to take the time to form are actually coming to play. The, the psychology of war is at hand and it's interesting. So then you get them all going up to the wall the next day, right? Oh, no, no. We get this stupid... We- we get Gandalf entrusting Alfred for some reason with watching Bilbo after after he basically uh, him and him and Bilbo have a conversation about what's going on and like okay it's dangerous you should just go home Bilbo Gandalf is fully intending for Bilbo to just stay there in the camp and send him off the next day because mm-hmm. uh, he's like if Thorin if you're there and Thorin finds out what you did you're dead Bilbo like you you should not go back um so he goes, oh, you know what, Alfred? You should watch. <laughs> you know, it's like, has he not had one word with Bard about who this guy is? No. He just nope. he pulls him aside. Well, Gandalf did interact with him, and it's, again, it's a very worm-tongue moment of, like, you know, I didn't go through fire and death to bend words with, you know, it, it's like... But he doesn't even do that. Like, he's like, oh, we don't want no hobos and around here, no freeloaders. And he's like, where's your where's your leader? And, like, he did, like... You get zero clapback for anything Alfred does in this movie, and it's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, we'll get to it in the second one, but I'm telling you, in the theatrical cut, nothing happens to Alfred. Like, right. he just leaves, and mm-hmm. you're just, what? What? So just after a movie and a half of him being the absolute worst, zero comeuppance. Like, absolutely zero, and it's awful i hate so basically it so much. saruman from yeah. lord of the rings trilogy where they yeah. just they don't resolve that Bye-bye. at all <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's oh it's just I, I i hate it so much but yeah so it's the next morning right and uh battle is about to be waged mm-hmm. and with the arkenstone now in their possession bard and thranduil approach um Bard pulls the Arkenstone out. Thorin just starts freaking out um, and says, basically, hey, we can avoid this all if you agree to a deal now that we have this. Um, and Thorin just makes up all these excuses. Oh, it's a trick. They're just trying to get us out. It's not real. It can't be. The Arkenstone's in here. And then Bilbo comes forward and reveals, nope, I gave it to him. Like, you haven't been yourself, Thorin, like trying to speak reasonably. Mm. And again... This is a great scene uh, where they're just interacting and talking about, you know, Bilbo's like, you're, you, you were, used to be a man of honor. Like the old Thorin never would have done this. Um, and, you know, he, he says like, what do you know about honor? You betrayed me, blah, blah, blah. Thorin goes to ask all of the other dwarves, like somebody throw him over the gates. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about, Thorin? Like you yeah. have crossed a line here. You've crossed a line. No one will do it. And he says, oh, I'll do it myself. And he goes to throw Bilbo over the wall. And that's when Gandalf steps forward and does his, you know, uh, I am no conjurer of cheap tricks trick. Yeah. And uh, stops Thorin in his tracks, steps forward. 
um, and says, I'd prefer it if you just threw him down to me. Don't You don't need to kill him. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then he's quietly cursing Alfred under his breath, I'm sure. Uh, and just when this happens, we get the ravens appearing from off screen. Dane has arrived with his army on Borback. I love the mounts they have. The, it's the such a great, armored it's pigs. It's such a great. Uh, the, if anything, this movie explores the different way wildlife can carry a a a, a, a race of people. <laughs> yeah, very well. Uh, I I also did miss one thing that I really enjoyed uh, as a lore nerd is we get a Ecthelian name drop uh, who is uh, one of the stewards of Gondor. I think when they, when Thorin is saying that he's not going to make the deal, Thranduil offhandedly mentions to Bard, well, you could take that to Ecthelian in Gondor. I'm sure he'd pay a, pay a high price for it. Um, oh, I missed that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, cool, an Ecthelian name drop. I don't know why that's in there, but it's cool. And that's, I'm sure, only in the extended version. I'm sure that's yes, not definitely. in the theatrical cut. Um, but yeah, so Dane on on Borback. Je- Jess and I, when we were watching this, were very, uh, very wigged out because they made him completely CG for some reason. I don't know, man. Um I think Billy Connolly gives a great voice performance, but he looks so strange on that. Like he looks, it's oh, it does not look good. Valley. It's well, uncanny. What's, yeah. what's the choice? Why is this the choice? I like. I think it's probably. My guess would be for late. You know, we, we're stopping uh, at this scene for today's discussion. But when we get to the last half of this movie with all the battle stuff, I'm guessing it was just a choice of like time filming schedule and budget of like we can't film him and then do all the cg and it for some reason it was easier and cheaper to just do it completely cg um but there's like one real dwarf in this because like they keep cutting to him anytime like they need like a battle cry it's the same guy doing it every time (laughs) and and it's weird because in this particular scene the entrance it's like you just have close-ups yeah. You just have close-ups and it's a completely CG face and you know it's hidden behind the helmet but you can still tell. And that but then you cut to Thranduil, Lee Pace and and he's on a completely CG mount in a wide shot, but it's him actually on the thing and it's not a CG Lee Pace. So I I think maybe because of just the size of his part, they were like, well, we're not even going to make a costume to shoot close-ups of him and then the rest yeah. will be CG for the battle stuff. They they thought it wasn't worth it, but it's... it costs more money to do the CG. It has to, it has to cost more money. Well, I don't know. Maybe when you factor in what they would have had to pay him versus like to do voiceover versus just doing or versus like filming on set and the shoot and the time and stuff. I, I don't know who made the decision, but it's so bad. It's, it's very so bad. bad. It's a bad decision, but he does look cool right in that war bore. Yes, it's a very cool character design. Um, and I love the entrance of, would you consider just sodding off? Like, right after Gandalf tees him up with, well, I think Thorin is the more reasonable of the two. Um, yeah. So I, I like the way they characterize him um, as just kind of this, you, he's, a, he's a loose cannon. You don't mess with him. He's not going to compromise. Um, and yeah, they do not sod off the elves. 
Uh, and spoiler th- alert. So yeah, spoiler. Um, and I think we're gonna end today's discussion on that right up to the lead up of the clash of the elves and the dwarves. Ooh, teaser. Teaser. Yeah. I, I think you know. I think I think Bilbo's gonna win. You guys. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the five armies. It's men, elves, dwarves, orcs, and Bilbo. Yeah, he's one man. I mean, because he's also he's a, he's a, a five, he's an army. He's a hobbit, right? Like it's like yeah. the five. I used to think it was him as one of the races. I really did. I didn't because I think you're right. It could be there's there's a lot of Venn diagrams. There could be a lot of iterations. There is. There's a lot of iterations of what that fifth army is. But one thing's for certain, we're not going to war. We're still friends even though I make bad jokes sometimes. Alex, what are you up to this week? Uh I am streaming on twitch.tv slash soulkatu S O L K A T T you um yeah if you want to see me playing some games uh talking lord of the rings a little bit maybe uh head on over there and tune in ben goddard uh uh, it's winding down but uh i'm back from vacation uh i'll be streaming on twitch as well uh twitch.tv slash the ben goddard and on patreon.com slash the Ben Goddard once the Oscar noms come out, which will be Ooh. earlier this morning because this gets released on Tuesday, I'm going to be reviewing all the Oscar nominees. So uh, subscribe on Patreon, guys. I love that for you. I really you, love that for you. Do you do a um, uh, fantasy drafting or like predictions I for the Oscars? I might this year. year. Like I haven't, I, I definitely need, there's a lot of stuff I need to catch up on, but I'm excited to catch up on it. So I might do a draft this year, a little, a uh, little, four point sheet or whatever you you call them nice well i do love uh getting to just have a good excuse to talk to both of you it's very fun uh i'm jessica linverdi i guess you could i have a bunch of new podcasts coming out that i'm producing I'm, I'm not in them but uh keep an eye out for one i think it should be dropping this week or next week uh no two gays about it where we bring the mature gay male over 50s voice to the conversation of the tables of it's life. A, it's a great name already. It's a great I named it. It's my, yeah. So sometimes my puns are good. It's a good pun. It's a it's good, a good pun. It's a, it's a good pun. Uh, but you can also find me doing Twitch stuff at uh, twitch.tv slash Jessica Nerdy. N-E-R-D-Y. Um, until next time, gentlemen, Ben. Well, uh, people can oh, yeah, interact that, with that, the that. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love talking about all what all, we are all doing. Uh, but if you want to uh, support this show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash part of the ring. Sign up for any of the few tiers we have. Still have that the one to rule them all tier available. So if you Can't really want to be a huge supporter of the program, you can go do that. You can also interact with us on Twitter at twitter.com slash pod of the rings or on Instagram at P-O-T-R pod. And mm-hmm. if you want to send in your thoughts, maybe send in who is the fifth army to you. Let us know. Let Podcast us of the know. rings at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think the five armies are in your head canon. I can't wait for uh, Geeks with Shields take on that. So, oh, but but also yeah, you can join our Discord. Uh, that's where a lot of our conversations are going. You're gonna find that link in our liner notes, gentlemen. Yes. Until until next time. May our roads meet again. Nailed it every time. First draft.